0: Hello, everyone. I'd like to thank you all for joining our podcast today to take a deeper dive into automation with Red Hat in the public sector. I'm Rich Savage with the Red Hat team at Kerasoft Technology, and I'm here today with Red Hat's cloud domain architect, Jason Rittenauer. Thank you for joining us today, Jason.
1: Rich, thanks for having me. Good to be here. I always love coming to visit you guys at Kerasoft and looking forward to talking about automation with you today.
0: Great. Jason, the team at Kerasoft often receives questions from our government customers asking what automation is, and how does Red Hat solutions enable it? And also, what benefits will their agency ultimately realize? So for our listeners, Jason, let me start by asking you a couple questions here. The first one that we hear most often is, you know, why should
1: agencies consider automation solutions? Well, that's a good question, Rich. Um, You know, back when we first started really getting into the automation space, the, the questions were, are you automating? Today, the question is more what have you already automated? How are you doing so? And how can we help you improve and streamline that process? Now, what we see a lot of times, you know, uh, we we actually talk to a lot of agencies today that are already using Ansible or another tool like that to automate like their Linux workloads. But then you have like the Windows guys are out doing things in PowerShell. You have the network guys doing their own vendor specific uh, automation tools. So, A tool like Ansible is a chance to kind of break down those silos and bring them all together under one umbrella using the same tool, the same like um, Rosetta Stone, basically, to bring everybody on the same page, get them all speaking the same language. Great. You alluded to a few of them, I think, already, but what are some of the critical obstacles to automation? Well, as far as technical obstacles, there aren't really many. One that's sort of technical in nature, but maybe not completely technical is not having a clear understanding of what you're trying to automate. You you look at something and it might look like a single step when actually there's many steps behind behind the scenes to get from point A to point B. And then there's other things in the environment that are automated by what you're trying to impact. Um, take like a self-driving car, for example. I can just plug in my destination and you might think, OK, that's it. It's going to take me there. It's going to barrel down the road at 80 miles an hour and, and that's it. But really, there's more play. It's got a, it's got cameras and sensors to detect where other cars are. It's examining like traffic lights and signs. It's detecting what the road conditions are like due to the weather so it can adjust its speed accordingly. So there's so many different things that come into play with automating even a single task. And you really have to be cognizant of what you're doing and how it's impacting the environment as a whole. For example, I worked with an agency several years ago. Uh, This was actually pre-Ansible even. uh, And we were trying to automate their deployment of JBoss workloads. So, you know, it was this massive monolithic process before that took several weeks. And we started off, you know, we could have very well gone in and tried to, to boil the ocean and do it all at once, but it ultimately would have resulted in failure. So first we began automating just the building of the servers and installing the software. Once we had that working, it's like, okay, let's start pulling in the source code and deploy the application, the, uh, the actual code onto the application once the servers are up. Once we got that win, it was, okay, let's automate deploying the load balancer pool and putting a VIP in front of them. Then we hit our blocker because the next thing we wanted to do was automate the deployment or the request and granting of SSL certificates. The security team said, no, we don't want you automating that. We want an actual human being to come in and sign off on it and validate the request, make sure it's legit, make sure it's nothing nefarious going on. So that brings me to the second obstacle that we see with automation, and that's culture. Now, sometimes there are reasons for for being opposed to automation, like in in that SSL, uh, in the security team's instance, for example, it was they wanted somebody to actually be accountable for what they were doing. And they wanted a human being to to have the final say on granting that certificate. Sometimes it's fear of automating yourself out of a job, basically. And that particular agency I was working with that I alluded to, we eventually got the win and got the the security team to go along with what we wanted to do. It required a little bit of give and take. You know, we had to assure them that somebody is actually going to be reproving all requests at the very beginning and somebody on the ops team will ultimately look at the request, ensure that it's valid, ensure that all the other check marks are in place, so to speak, and they will ultimately sign off and be accountable for what's deployed. And, uh, you know, as a matter of Bringing some of our high-level architects in to talk to their people—it's really you you have to kind of take those cultural battles and and make sure you understand the other team's concern, and you know help them to to talk through them, to give them some assurances, and you know sometimes you have to kind of take a step back and, and maybe not go as far as you initially intended to, but you can eventually get everybody on the same page, I believe. So that's something that both the teams at Red Hat and Carisoft can do. We can help you assuage any concerns that the people that are maybe opposed to automation or afraid of it and and kind of help them take that step forward.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that being a uh, obstacle that many IT organizations have to face over time. Um, And and I think there's a lot of opportunities for automation within an IT infrastructure environment. I guess, what specific processes can agencies automate with Red Hat?
1: Well, I mean, it's not hyperbole to say you can automate just about everything with Ansible at this point. I um, mean, you know, it originally started off as a tool for just automating Linux workloads. Today, it can automate Windows platforms. Microsoft actually heavily contributes to the uh, Ansible project and has helped us build modules for both you know, Windows and Azure. Um, on that note, it can automate building things in cloud environments, uh, Amazon instances, relational databases, what have you, uh, can automate network gear. That's the big thing we're seeing at this point, the big push into automating building out the network environments, both physical uh, network devices as well as software-defined networking. And that's that's not even getting into the things you can automate that that maybe there aren't official modules for, but like we can talk to restful APIs and do things against them. We can uh, use the command and shell modules to automate things on a Linux system that we don't have a module for. So really, if you can think of it and you can put it to paper, we can probably come up with a way to automate it with Ansible.
0: Great. What are the advantages of using Red Hat Ansible over other automation tools that exist in the market?
1: Well, I think Ansible has a lot of things going for it. The first of all is, is the fact that it's so diverse. It really is like a Swiss Army knife. There are a lot of tools that can, for example, provision workloads in a public cloud. Uh, But all they do is build the instances. They can't get in and really do any configuration on them after the fact. They pretty much, they fall back into using a shell script or like a cloud init config file. And after that initial run, it's done. It can't go in and do like any updates. It can't uh, push any code to it or what have you. Ansible can do all of that. The advantage it has other over like configuration management tools is the fact that, number one, it can do all that other cloudy type stuff. It can build your instances to begin with. It can automate building out the network. But then you get into the fact that Ansible is, number one, it's agentless. So you don't have to install anything on the systems you're managing with it. That gives it a huge advantage from a security standpoint because it's able to just use the native SSH protocols, the WinRM protocols for Windows. So nothing to install, nothing to keep updated, lowers the security profile. It is also able to rely on things like SSL certificates for authentication ssh keys so again nothing to maintain there and it's nice and human readable as well if you've ever looked at an ansible playbook and compared it to like something like say i don't want to specifically call out any one vendor but if you look at like a puppet module for example it's its own special language and it's it's good it's efficient and it works but compared that to like a yaml playbook And even somebody who's not technical in nature can probably look at it and get a rough idea of what the playbook is trying to do. So it is self-documenting in that regard. So agentless, self-documenting, fast and efficient using all the native protocols that's already installed on the system.
0: Excellent, excellent. And we hear a lot of our customers are moving to DevOps, DevSecOps methodologies going forward. Does Ansible help customers move that direction?
1: I would say so. You you need some kind of tool like Ansible. And I think because of all the reasons I alluded to, Ansible should be that tool. From a DevOps standpoint, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier with getting everybody on the same page. And I think it helps the ops guys who, you know, I'm, I personally am an ops guy by nature. I know a little bit about a lot of different programming and scripting languages, but I've never been a developer. But using Ansible has helped me kind of get into that dev mentality. So I understand, you know, the the principles of like putting everything in source control, versioning it, obviously making good comments so that my people I'm working with understand what I'm trying to do uh I think it helps get everybody on that same page and you're again it it helps the ops guys understand the dev world a little bit more, and I think it helps the dev world understand what the ops guys are doing with with how they approach uh deployment and whatnot
0: are there any success stories that stick out to you that? You feel would be relevant to share?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody who's using Ansible is winning. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Uh, now, the, the thing with Ansible is we're seeing now like a second wave of adoption. You take customers like NASA who have been using Ansible for a long time. And NASA, of course, is always like on the bleeding edge and, and you know really forward thinking with their adoption of emerging tech. But they were one of the first government agencies I can recall that was using Ansible heavily in production they actually did like a massive data center migration a couple of years ago using Ansible. And today they're now on that trail of automating all their networks. You know, we see a lot of agencies that they adopted Ansible for Linux a couple of years back. And now they're saying, okay, what else can I automate? I had so much success with Linux. I want to automate my windows workloads. I want to automate building out networks. Um, Tennessee Valley authorities, another big customer in the, the sled space that are doing just that. Now they're on that kind of riding that second wave of doing their network automation. And on that note, even though they're not like a federal agency, they're they're certainly in our space and we talk to them a lot. Microsoft, they actually just put out a case study last year discussing how Ansible helped them automate all their network build outs globally. And think about that for a second. Can you imagine 10 years ago, Microsoft putting out a statement saying that they were using a Red Hat open source tool to automate anything? So, I mean, that, that goes back to that cultural shift I talked about earlier under the guidance of... Satya and Nadella, they're much more embracing of open source. They're big contributors to Ansible and other open source projects. So that just shows that when you embrace open source and you embrace that culture of, of collaboration, the things you can achieve.
0: The world is definitely changing in the favor of open source, that's for sure. Um, so if the first wave of Ansible was data center migration, um, and maybe the second wave now is, is networks, what might be the third wave?
1: Oh, it's hard to say. I mean, there's so much stuff Ansible can do. I'd imagine the next big thing is going to be, you're going to see more tight integration between things like, say, Ansible and OpenShift. So you're going to see, if you look at like OpenShift 4, there's a lot of Ansible under the hood doing things like the operators and uh, you know the configuration of your workloads and, and that kind of thing. So I think you're going to see a lot more of Ansible automating these uh, cloud horizontally scaling workloads and the things that's going on behind the scenes in there. Great. Thank you, Jason, for all this great insight. For our
0: listeners, if they wanted to learn more about Ansible, where do you suggest they go to find that
1: out? Well, of course, go to ansible.com. It's still its own distinct site separate from the Red Hat site. So that's where most of our Ansible content lives at this point. Uh, We've got several great white papers there, several how-to videos. All the modules are well-documented there, telling you how to utilize them in a playbook and going over some of the more advanced things like roles and and, uh, the new thing that we recently added, the collections where we Certified content from various vendors. That's that's a great place to start. There's also a nice book um, if you're looking for either a Kindle book or like an actual hard copy. There's Ansible for DevOps, which you can find on Amazon and other fine booksellers. Perfect. Those are great suggestions. And
0: um, Jason, thank you again for your time and all the insights and information. We really appreciate it. And for our listeners, please go to the suggestions and the websites that Jason's mentioned, and then. Also, there's some additional resources on the podcast landing page that you can check out. And of course, you're always welcome to contact us anytime at redhat at or 877-742-8468. Thank you again and see you next time.